It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Scott DeHub producing the show. Our great presenting sponsor. That's the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. And um, we will do a question mark. Uh, We've got a ton of questions on question mark. So maybe an extended uh, version of question mark today. All your NFL questions. Um, sweet sweat for all your exercise needs. I tell you what, from vitamin supplements to workout supplements to pre-workout to post-workout to all the bands and exercise equipment, the sweet sweat belts and you name it, they've got it. They've got great, great products. Uh, they are a great partner. That's sweet sweat. Check them out at sweetsweat.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Looking forward to, uh, well, what are we now? About, uh... Three weeks. Three weeks away. Three weeks away from the the start of the season. I'm really going to have to seriously start my diet. Why? Oh, for TV. Yeah. Three weeks. How much weight can I lose in three weeks? Like, what do you think you could? Oh, a sweet sweat. Yeah. That would help. I mean, of course that's going to help. But it's good. You know, the, the key to fitness really is. 20% 20% exercise and 80% diet. Yeah. And unfortunately, the diet thing has not gone well for me. No, it's and, and like I'm trying to do the same thing, and then you walk in this morning with freshly baked muffins, uh, biscuits, biscuits that your wife Oh, put my together. wife's got this incredible, she's incredible. Just this So now I'm going to be eating biscuits all weekend. Biscuits. I'm going to be like. You're what, welcome. Wasn't that uh, Cornelius Bennett's nickname? Yeah, biscuit. biscuit. Yeah, well, right? not, yeah. So you're gonna have biscuits, <laughs> biscuits maybe a little gravy. Uh, you know, you put them, you cut them in half. You put a little butter and a yep. little jam on yeah. there. You warm maybe them up some first. Stinking good green chili on oh, that. Oh, poor. I'm telling you what. There's so many things. You oh, biscuits and gravy. That's right. right? Throw some gravy oh, on top of there. Man, there no you Lord go. knows you got gravy. It's <laughs> part of your your molecular you, structure. You, you, pr- you pricked me. I bleed. Green yes, gravy. exactly. <laughs> So. Exactly. So hey. I, I really got to. I really got to get focused because uh, you know, week one, September thirteenth, I'm calling my first game. I have to be able to button the top button of a shirt Oof. and get into a suit. Oof. So, man, yeah, it's or maybe be... just buy bigger shirts because last year at the start of the season, man, you look like a like a sausage. I mean, you look like a sausage casing. You know, you know when you put a sausage on the grill, yeah. and it starts to the like burst, burst, yeah, and all the juices juice. come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was you, man. That was my neck. I worried about <laughs> sausage you. Sausage neck. I worried about you that yeah. day. I was like, ooh, he looks uncomfortably red right now. <laughs> exactly. Is his uh, is what's that vein in your neck? Your uh, your uh, carotid artery. Yeah, is that right. thing look like my carotid artery? Look like a piece of sausage <laughs> on the grill. It's gonna burst any minute now. All right. All right. I'm looking forward to doing the question mark because I know we get some great questions. But, um, boy, how about the the praise coming Dak Prescott's way? Uh, you had Andy Dalton, who's now backing up in Dallas. So he's mm-hmm. been around Dak enough to really uh, form a very high opinion. And how about Patrick Mahomes coming out and saying, of all the quarterbacks that he studies, Dak is among the, the, the quarterbacks that he studies the most. Yeah. I think it's I think it's obviously you know it's one of those situations because we've talked about this all off season and this contract that you know is or isn't or was or wasn't that never got signed with the Dallas Cowboys and he's going to play on the franchise tag and the Cowboys never seem to want to stand up or step up you know I mean although you know they put it out there in the media how many times they stepped up I mean they kept they kept dumping information out there all the time but 
ultimately, in in my mind, like there's no way that players ever release that information unless they're releasing it because they're signing a contract, right? A player never comes out and says, well, I got this offer and it's close, but it's not quite good enough, so I'm going to... No, they're going to wait until they get an agreeable offer. And there was something within those offers that just wasn't quite right. And I said it forever. If they're not going to pay you more than they paid Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, then why would you take that? Like you have, you've got a responsibility to the next group of quarterbacks to, to reset the bar, so to speak. I mean, that's the way it works. And the Cowboys didn't want to do it. And they ended up costing themselves a ton of money. I mean, they, they ended up, if they had just stepped up to the plate early, they would have gotten him signed, and it had been over. But they kept delaying it, kept not wanting to pay him. And I think it's, I think it's fascinating, Mike, that other guys are coming out saying, like Andy Dalton said, that the first thing that set him apart, the first thing that he noticed, the thing that really, you know, he he kind of took in, was Dak's leadership and how he gets everybody within that offensive huddle to buy into what they're doing. And that is so important. When your guy walks into the huddle, Mike, he's got command of the huddle, and he calls a play, and you just have this great sense of security that my guy completely like believes and understands this, and we're going to get it done. Like that, that, that calming effect, I mean, we had that, and I'm not calling Dak Prescott John Elway, but regardless of what the situation was, in my years here in Denver – when Elway walked in the huddle, you had a sense, one, you knew who was in charge, two, we're going to make a play. Like, we're going to make the play that kickstarts our momentum, that gets us rolling, that ends up winning this game. I remember a game we were behind, we're playing the Chiefs here in Denver, and we went down the first quarter, we went down like 21-3. to three. I mean, it was like it was an onslaught. And I just remember him walking in, and it was like, Ah, whatever. No big deal. We got them kind of white, right where we want them. We're, we're, we're fine. We ended up winning that game like 35-31 or um, 38-35, something like that. I mean, it was some crazy score. But it was just one of those – there was never a moment of panic. And I find it interesting. You know, people would – I've been asked several times by people like, well, what would the best quarterback in the, in, in the National Football League and Patrick Mahomes, what would he be doing studying – Dak Prescott. Like, why would he study him? And I think I think one thing that's completely undervalued that doesn't get enough talk is your ability to have pocket presence. And Dak Prescott has that. I mean, he has that in in waves. He's got tons of pocket presence. And you can study a guy. Like, how he operates the pocket, how he moves within the pocket. And certainly, Dak Prescott is athletic. He didn't get outside the pocket. He'd do things. But what do you do inside the pocket to keep a play alive and still deliver an accurate throw? So, Mike, his first coordinator when he got in the league, when he had that extraordinarily good rookie season, was Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan... Head coach for the Rams was an offensive coordinator for Detroit, offensive coordinator for, um, you know, for a lot of different teams, uh, Dallas in particular, and and uh, he was my college quarterback at the University of Idaho, and so I had a long conversation with Scott about Dak in his rookie year, 
And he's like, Stink, you know, the biggest thing is he's just got this old soul about him. He's just got this presence about him where he's not rattled. He just is comfortable in the pocket. He's comfortable delivering the football. He's comfortable leading guys, which which sends it back to you. It's like, if you've got that, why would you not want to reward that if you're the Dallas Cowboys? Well, while you were chatting, I looked up his playoff record. He's one and two. Mm-hmm. And for as I listen to the conversation we've just had for the last few minutes, I got to stop myself and remind me we're, we're talking about a guy who's won one playoff game in his career. Right. So, is all this praise really deserved? Or okay, it's deserved, but wow, you want to talk about maybe the one player in the NBA in the NFL who has more pressure on him to deliver this year? To truly live up to all that hype? To live up to the contract? Is it Dak Prescott? I mean, think about it. I mean, there are plenty of players around the NFL that are in the spotlight and and, and face a lot of you know pressure. But could you make the argument that nobody in the NFL faces more pressure to deliver this year than Dak Prescott? I think uh, No, I think that's a great argument. I, I would say this about the playoff record. You know what Peyton Manning's playoff record is? Uh, like 13 and 12 12 or and 13. 12 and 13, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He carried that around. Yeah. I mean, he had to win another Super Bowl here. Didn't matter that he was yeah. just along for the ride, but he had to win another Super Bowl to to really solidify, I guess, his his placing right. as an all-time great. I, I, would just, I would just say this. John Elway's, you know, Super Bowl record was bad until he had a real complete team. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I just think that complete teams. When you get into the playoffs, hey, everybody's usually has a pretty good quarterback, um, but it's the complete teams that actually win things, you know. And and that to me is is a little bit more relevant than playoff records. So that that's part of it. But yeah, there the expectations. Like I love it when a dude gambles on himself. I mean. He's going to make thirty-four million dollars, or thirty-one million, thirty-one and a half million dollars, right? So, I mean, that's that's a pretty solid branch you're standing out on uh, that you're gambling on yourself on. But, um, but I like it when guys are like, "Hey, yeah, you know what? I'll bet on me. I'll bet on me." And it'll be interesting to see exactly how that goes. But yeah, he's got a ton of pressure because you know there are great expectations in Dallas. A lot of people expect Dallas to be a Super Bowl contender, to win their division, to be in the playoffs, and to be a Super Bowl contender along with the Niners and with New Orleans and, you know, whoever else the uh, the NFC playoff contenders, the At Green Bay point, Packers. put up or shut up time. Isn't it for the Cowboys? Sure. It really is. I mean, no, no, I can't think of another team in all of sports that gets the attention and hype and and not national conversation, never mind the national TV games, more without delivering like the Dallas Cowboys in all of sports. Yeah, I don't know that there's another team that gets the kind of love the cow- well, they you know, the America's team thing and, and like you know, you and I live in Denver, Colorado, and we spend a lot of time on our local radio show talking about the Broncos. Tons of time, right? And you get, you know, Nugget fanboy or Avalanche fan guy, you know, hockey guy that will complain about the amount of time that we spend talking about the Broncos. And 
all I say to those people is check the ratings. Like you gotta you gotta play the ratings game. That we're in this this is a ratings business. And that's you know, the National Football League, that's what it is. It's a ratings business. And you know what they know rates? Cowboy games in the afternoon. Yeah. People are gonna tune into Cowboys games. Um or we're, like regardless, they're gonna tune into Cowboys games. So I mean that's ultimately what it what it boils down to is the Cowboys rate. There yeah. are teams, the Packers rate, yeah. the Cowboys rate. The Steelers rate, <laughs> the New England Patriots rate. So, but nobody rates like the Cowboys. Nobody. There's and, nobody. And all those other teams, they rate, but they've also been very good. Right. The Cowboys haven't really done anything in like what two, two and a half decades. Yeah. And yet they still rate bigger than anybody else still in the NFL, which is amazing. But at some point, come on. Do something to justify the hype. I know you're going to get the hype no matter what. Right. But come on. Yeah, Do you would, something to justify it, any, please. Like anything. For the love of Pete, just just be competitive. Just win. Uh, again, they they have to or they don't have to. They need to. Um, and the NFL desperately wants them to. But that's the craziest thing. You're right. I'm, I'm sitting here as we're talking and, ha- and just kind of hashing it out. I'm trying to think in other sports, is there a team that can continuously suck and still rate? I mean, I guess the, the, the Lakers. But even they, yeah. they took a step back. You know, the, the, the emergence of LeBron, right? you know, is what. Put them into back into the, the Knicks are still a cornerstone no, franchise, Nick, no, but Nick, they don't. Yeah, no, they don't rate like they used to. No, no, no. no it's the it's the it's the Cowboys. It, right. it truly is. When you talk about American sports franchises, yeah, and you know what? It'd be nice for them to do something to actually earn and justify all the hype that they get. Speaking of, speaking of Cowboys, maybe maybe this maybe this explains why this guy is still out there. Des Bryant, Des Bryant. Is still kicking around. Had a tryout recently with the Ravens. Left without getting a contract. But, I mean, this guy will not go away. And apparently the, the league is still somewhat intrigued by him. Well, he's still big. I, you know, I don't know where he is as far as being able to run and do those things. But you still box people out. You don't have to be able to run exceptionally well, you know, when you have that kind of size. There, there's a different red zone presence to you and all those kind of things. I, 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 would, I would say this. It's interesting. That's an interesting fit to me because I think he's in a place in his life, Mike, where he would be willing to make that move, understanding that if you go to the Ravens, the style of offense with which they play, there's going to be a stretch of games where you don't even sniff a a football, right? Where nothing gets thrown your way, where you're asked to mix it up and block safeties and motion across the formation and get strength to change and, and be a lead blocker. Like, that's what you're asked to do. They have Hollywood Brown. Like, I would say this you know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, what about Antonio Brown? Because his nephew, Hollywood Brown, is there. And is it his nephew? It is his nephew, right? Whatever it is. It, it's, I think it's his nephew. Anyhow. Would would Antonio Brown go? I would say absolutely not. That's not a fit at all. I don't think John Harbaugh would make that move because, you know, I mean, if you're Antonio Brown and you don't get 11 targets, you're going to be bitching, 
right? Plus, you've got an eight-game suspension that as soon as they sign you, you got to hang with the eight-game suspension. But but Des Bryant makes a little bit more sense to me. He's in a place in his life, I think, where, hey, if I get a couple catches, maybe a touchdown every now and again, and, and I get to throw some blocks, and I just get to be a part of a championship team, I'll, I'll take that. Really? So he's he's 32, and he hasn't played in two years. Last time he played was 2017. Yeah. And, and you know, he did play in all 16 games for Dallas. He had 838 yards receiving on um, – 69 catches, but been out of football for two years. Are you big? Good point, yeah. Can you mix it up with a corner in the running game? Can you motion across a formation and be a lead blocker on a safety? Like, when I look at the Baltimore Ravens offense, and it's it's phenomenal, I call it kind of heavy spread. Yeah. And one of the things they do is, a lot of times, if you look at, like, there's a lot of check-with-me aspect to the National Football League, meaning, like, if I want to get into a run play, I can check over, right, over, 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 meaning, hey, I'm going to flip it from one side to the next. And it can be a, there can be a lot of things that, that, um, that you're looking at, Mike. So, for instance, you might be, a, we like to run it to a bubble look, meaning we like to run it to an uncovered guard look. So, if they're in a... If they're in a 25 front, meaning you got a one technique over the strong side, you know, the strong side of the center, you got a three technique, a defensive lineman over the guard on the weak side, and you got a defensive end lined up over the tackle, and you called, let's call it, you're in a right-handed formation, so that would be, let's say we called 19 handoff, right? And we want to run to the bubble, we just go over, 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 and it becomes 18 handoff, right? So we want to run to the opposite side. Um, vice versa, if they're in a 57 front, you just go over, 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 and you run 19 week instead of 18 handoff. Like that's that's the way that works. So it could be we want to run to a bubble. It could be hey, we want to run away from a safety. It could be hey, we want to run to the safety. It just it just depends on on the matchup, what you like, kind of where you're at, and when you cut this field in half, and I do this all the time. I'll take a I'll take not a highlighter, but you know the the thing that writes the telestrator, if you will. And um, on my Exos Thundercloud, Exos Thundercloud. So I'm watching film, and I'll split it in half right down the center, and say which is the best side to run on. Right. Like you look at it and go, okay, what what side would you run on? Well, shoot, there's there's for four for four over here, and and if we motion over here, we got a three for four matchup. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens, man, they will motion Sneed across. They'll have a tight end that motions across or is in the backfield, and they'll have the running back go the opposite way. And where you had a three-on-three matchup, all of a sudden you got a five-on-three matchup, and your and your quarterback is running the ball. Like they are, they are phenomenal at that. So if you're a receiver there, you can't be a diva. Mm-hmm. If you're a receiver there, you got to understand that my job, a large portion of my job, is is to block people. You know, I think that uh, I think Mark Andrews is probably their leading receiver last year at the tight end position. I would imagine. I mean, I could be wrong; could be somebody else, but he's right there in the top of it. So they're just a different. It's a different offensive organization, and you're going to have to have somebody that's unselfish, that's willing to say, "Hey, man, I'm happy throwing some blocks and being a part of a victory and having a chance to win a world championship." Because they certainly have that. Antonio Brown and Hollywood Brown cousins. Cousins, by the way, cousins. Thank you, Cousins. cousins. Not nephew. All right, let's get to a uh, question mark. All right, we uh, we got a bunch, so let's kind of expand this a little bit. And best one will get themselves a 
Nice sweet sweat. Yeah, seventy five dollar gift pack. All right, here we go. This is from uh, uh, B Therm, who asks, "Is Todd Gurley going to help the Falcons' offense this season?" Um, you know, is Todd Gurley healthy? That would be a big question for you. And have they fixed the the woes of their offensive line? Because if their offensive line plays with some efficiency, especially their inside guys, their tackles to me, have, they've been fairly average. But if their O-line plays well, Todd Gurley in a, in a system like that, which is a – a zone system, which is what he had all the success with coming out of um, of Los Angeles with the Rams. They were in this kind of wide zone. So one of the things about the Rams and, and Sean McVay, and I've had this this personal conversation with him about this, is that they are disguised as a three wide, you know, spread team, flood a strong side or weak side. In the in the passing game and all this stuff and and to me it's a lie. That that's a lie. They do it and they do it exceptionally well, but they do it because what they truly are is a smash mouth football team. And where they really suffered last year was two fists of their offensive line departed, and the and a guy that I think is one of the most physical players in football and Roger Saffold went to the Tennessee Titans, and guess what happened? The Tennessee Titans went to the playoffs. And uh, the Rams didn't. And so they really are a smash-mouth football team um, disguised as a as a spread team. If they could get back to doing that, because that's kind of what they were when they went to the Super Bowl with, with Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator, I think Todd Gurley could really help them a lot. Is he healthy? And, and can they have that mentality of, we're going to try to beat the shit out of you. And, and then use our weapons in Julio Jones and Ridley and all those guys to eviscerate you in the passing game. This one comes in from Rob, who asks, how much of a boost will the Steelers have with Ben Roethlisberger back? I would think just knowing he's there is good for one extra win, and with his skill, maybe another two to three wins? That would make it an 11-12 win season compared to last year's eight uh, I would like. I would agree with you. Just having Ben Roethlisberger is worth a couple of games, anyhow. Maybe yeah. three games, anyhow. I mean, he is. Yeah, I don't know that Ben gets the credit that Ben deserves because you know Ben is sometimes you know worried about. I don't know. You know, getting credit for playing hurt or what? Yeah, like he has a little bit of that, like. Let me put on a size 18 shoe and show you that my ankle is sore, you know? like he. I always think about him having one clown boot it on. It looked like, like a clown shoe. Right. Yeah. It really looked like flop, a clown shoe. Click, flop, click, flop, click. Look at how bad my ankle is. I had to put on a size 22, you know? <laughs> uh, so there is that aspect. But I will say this. Ben Roethlisberger is tougher than nails, man. He takes some shots. Um, he gets hit. He is exceptionally good throwing the ball down the football field. Um, I, I just I I'm a big Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben. I'm a big Ben, not Big Ben, but big Ben Roethlisberger fan. I think he's a really outstanding quarterback. Now, you know they've got to develop another weapon. They've got to have you know from a receiving standpoint. They've got to have um, 
you know, guys guys step up and play better. You know, they've lost Antonio Brown, who's a big threat, obviously. Um, him in, in his trials of a, the last year and a half. But I, I do think that the Steelers are a much better team and, and our playoff contender with Roethlisberger there. All right, we'll continue on with question mark, expanded version. This is from uh, Anthony T411. Mark, what are the chances of Aaron Rodgers being with the Bears, Browns, or Patriots, or another team next season? Wow. I think, uh, what does he have left on his contract? Does he have a couple years left on his deal? Um, I don't know about next season, Mike. I mean, think about how long Aaron Rodgers was with Green Bay before he finally got an opportunity before they decided to move, you know, Brett Favre out. I think he's two more years. I think it's two more seasons with the Packers before they decide to make that move. The Packers are interesting because they they don't mind that developmental aspect. Yeah. They've shown that in the past. And so, and you know, when you talk to Mike McCarthy back in those days, you know, Mike would tell you that where they really got a great feel for Aaron Rodgers was Brett Favre didn't want to ever come to anything in the offseason. He'd go back to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to drive his tractor around, you know, and uh, and in all those OTAs and all those, you know, team functions, Aaron Rodgers was in charge during the whole offseason. And after a couple of years of that, they really got confidence that Aaron Rodgers could, could be their guy. And so... That's kind of how that was kind of the learning curve for Aaron Rodgers. So I think he's got. I think there's two more seasons in Green Bay, and then after that, I think I think they'll let him walk. Plus, you also got to think about Jordan Love and all this. You're you're at some point going to ask him to replace Aaron Rodgers, who replaced Brett Favre. Right. You want to talk about large shoes to step into? You don't want to put that kid in there until you really suspect he's ready. And right. You really think a year from now he's going to be ready for that? No, no. So I agree he's going to be in. He's going to be in those Roethlisberger shoes we talked yes. about. He's going to have both of those on twenty size twenty two on each foot. Yep. I'm not ready. Yeah. Look at my shoes. Look at my shoes. I can't even feel them. <laughs> Daniel writes in. Uh, who will win the quarterback battle in Chicago? Nick All Foles, right. so Mitch Nick, Trubisky. Nick, I I think I think initially it's Mitch Trubisky. Um, one last chance. Yeah, but I think he's on a short leash, yeah. and 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 frankly, Mike, hasn't Nick Foles proven that he's much better coming off the bench and filling in for a guy than he is? Yep. I I, I just think that Mitch Trubisky, you have to if if you're the Chicago Bears, you have to give him the opportunity to figure it out, and and understand that you drafted a guy that had like 13 college starts. So there is a learning curve. Um, and, and, you know, he's, I have a – I mean, I know how hard it is and I know how hard he's worked, and he's got to be better. He'd be the first to tell you he's got to be better. But um, but this is a make-or-break year for Mr. Trubisky. Like it is, I think, for a lot of quarterbacks. I think it is for Baker Mayfield. I think yep. it is for – Sam Darnold. Yeah, there's, there's – well, Sam Darnold might have a little bit more leash because they've been such a bad football team. Um but I I do think it's I do think it's it's one of those kind of make a break. You know, Mitch, you're either gonna you're either gonna bust through and and figure it out, or you're just gonna be 
you're going to be you may get another opportunity to start or whatever but you're just going to kind of be a one of these journeyman first rounders that uh you know, become somebody's backup and um and you know you kind of just ride off into the sunset okay uh one more uh let's go with uh, from royal mike who asks how will philip rivers fare in indy will his gunslinger mentality get them back to the playoffs i think it's i you know i think it's interesting because Knowing Frank Reich and Frank Reich has been with, you know, with uh, Philip in in Chargerland. So Frank, you know, was a quarterback coach slash coordinator. Um, they have a relationship. Um, I just I just think that that is I think that's one of those situations, Mike, where you look at a couple things that that to me really lend really lend credence to Philip Lindsay have or Philip Lindsay, excuse me, Philip Rivers having a uh having a a great season. And I think one, when you look at the way they're constructed up front, they've got a mauling offensive line that's as just about as good as it gets. They have got a really good running game and they're committed to running the football. And, you know, and I think they have a talented receiving core. So, you know, Rivers' big issue was, you know, he can't move. You know, there's he doesn't have a, an ability to do that. Um, and there were so many times last year that he'd just throw the ball to protect himself, just throw it, like just throw it, you know, in harm's way, throw it into a team meeting because I'm not going to take a hit. And I still think you watch some of the throws he made. Some of the throws were, and, and he admitted, some of the throws were boneheaded. Some of the throws were because we're behind, and we had to try to make a play. So I threw 50-50 balls that got picked off. Like, like he won't apologize for it. Just kind of where they were last year uh, with the with the L.A. Chargers. So I think they have a, I think they have a legitimate shot in that division. Who's in there? Houston, right? Yep, Tennessee. Tennessee. And Jacksonville. And Jacksonville. I think they have a legitimate chance to be to be a playoff contender out of that division. I don't think anybody's run away in that. I don't, you no. know, it, can Ryan Tannehill, re, you know, do the same thing he did last year for them? Can they still, can they be that team they were last year? Can, you know, and, and they went on a run to get there into the playoffs. Um, can Houston, can they overcome some of the inconsistencies, some of the old line troubles they've had? Some, like, I think they've got a shot to win that division. Yeah, I think the wild card uh, in the AFC and NFC is going to be fascinating this year. Uh, there are a lot of teams that I think are going to be in that mix, and now right. you've added a couple of playoff spots. So I, I think it's going to be a free-for-all uh, in, in both conferences. Uh, let's go with uh, Royal Mike, who asked about Mike Bielek, or Belick. Okay. He's the guy he asked about Philip Rivers. And, yeah, I love talking about Philip Rivers. I love hearing about Philip Rivers and All right. root for him to come back. So, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, that sounds good. I I appreciate that. Not a problem at all. Um, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, we'll be back with you to do it again next week.